0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond Study Abroad, the official Notre Dame Study Abroad podcast. I'm your host, Ainsley Herford, and today I am joined by alumna Kristen Wetzel. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than our usual because Kristen did not actually study abroad when she was at Notre Dame because she was a member of the golf team. However, today she does share about a one week trip she took with her team to Ireland and how that experience sparked her love for traveling and her desire to live abroad which she now does. Overall, she talks about her journey working with Notre Dame through the Career Center and getting to a point where she could live and work abroad. And for all you athletes or other students with difficult schedules wondering if you can study abroad, I'm here to let you know that the Notre Dame International team would love to work with you to make that happen. There are many shorter-term programs, such as those in the summer, that make studying abroad, which is a unique and transformative experience that cannot be replicated in a classroom setting, a possibility for all students. Thanks for tuning in to this episode, and I'm excited for you all to hear Kristen's story. Kristen, would you like to introduce yourself? start us off with the good old Notre Dame introduction, and then share your experience with study abroad while you were at Notre Dame. Hi, everyone. So
1: I graduated as part of the class of 2010. I was on the golf team at Notre Dame during my during my tenure there. On the golf team, we competed in both seasons, so study abroad wasn't an option. But I do remember looking at the brochure thinking, wow, wouldn't Australia be a cool place to go study abroad? <laughs> but kind of say la vie, I was here on I was at Notre Dame on a golf scholarship. So to get my education paid for in exchange for practicing my sport and traveling to play, it was, it was an okay trade-off for the time. Um, one, One good thing to note though, is I did get my first international experience through Notre Dame, even though it wasn't study abroad every four years, the athletic teams get the opportunity to travel abroad somewhere with their team. So the summer before my senior year, we traveled to Ireland as a, as a team for a week and we played golf every day we got beautiful weather we got to sightsee it was just magical and that was my first window into the wider world outside of the united states
0: that sounds awesome i feel like it was probably great team bonding as well <laughs>
1: it was it was it was a great trip
0: that's super great um so yeah where did just as an insight, currently, Kristen, where do you live? Um, mm. And then where did your desire to live and work abroad come from?
1: Sure. So I currently live in Melbourne, Australia. So if you placed Australia over a map of the United States, because it's similar size, different shape, if this gives kind of a uh, picture in everyone's head out there, Melbourne would be kind of the southern tip of Florida. By, by equivalent, so it's that southeast, very southeasternmost point in the state of Victoria. We get weather similar to Seattle. You might have rain one minute, sunshine the next. It will go from being in the summer, which it is right now, funnily enough, It'll go from being 99 degrees outside one day and you're melting and the next day it'll be 55 or 60 because of the way the the weather systems move from the heat across the country and then the Antarctic winds that kind of meet it somewhere around where we're located. So a uh, great place to live, but there's no snow and ice, which is a wonderful benefit of that as well. And it's a, it's a beautiful part of the world. We absolutely love living here. Uh fun addition. When we first moved here, I got immediately put on a project in Sydney. So we lived in Sydney for about three months, very close to the Opera House, the Sydney Harbor Bridge. And that was another uh, just unreal, magical fairy tale Mm -hmm. experience. But we've settled in Melbourne. So we've been here about four years
0: now. Wow. Yeah, that is the weather definitely seems crazy. We complain about the Midwestern fall and spring when it's 30 Mm -hmm. and then 70. But 150 I think you have it beat for sure it makes South Bend seem like a cakewalk that's mm. awesome
1: I do re- I do remember shoveling snow to get to my car and scraping snow off the car every day for the <laughs> the trek to the golf facility in in the um when it was still winter so absolutely
0: yeah the snow can be absurd um so yeah how did you end up in Sydney and then Melbourne
1: I worked at Ernst & Young out of out of after graduating from Notre Dame uh, once I hit manager level at EY, I had remembered there were always kind of rumors and whisperings that once you hit manager, that's a good time to pursue a secondment or kind of a working abroad opportunity for a few years. So I always had that in the back of my mind, and I really wanted to make that happen. And Australia was—I'll get more into this later—but Australia really called me for mm-hmm. kind of whatever reason. I didn't know anyone here; I'd never been here before. Uh, so it was just my myself and my partner Daniel, and we were. We were excited for the adventure and open to to meeting new people and whatever Australia had to had to um, had in store for us, really. Mm-hmm. So I pursued trying to you know have a secondment opportunity in another country. When I was at Ernst and Young, they um, I found it difficult to convince the bosses that it's a worst, worthwhile business case that would benefit them. So I ended up looking externally to some other companies and actually a, um, a former EY employee that I had networked with. He ended up connecting my resume to someone who was a partner at Deloitte. So similar, basically the same kind of business. Mm -hmm. And they were very much in the market for someone with my skills. So they reached out to me and that's how the process started. Deloitte sponsored both myself and my partner, Daniel, to come here, which was an amazing perk. Yes, And fortunately for me, when I even approached the subject before I got the opportunity and before we, I was signed on the dotted line. I said, hey, what do you think if we try to move abroad? Maybe I get a job in Australia. And he was beyond excited already, just thinking, I'm ready whenever. Let's do this.
0: <laughs> awesome. So sure. you were both ready to go to Australia. Yeah, we were, we were ha- happy to kind of uproot and
1: have it have a new adventure. I know a lot of people kind of in a similar um, at manager, senior manager level in that professional services kind of uh, corporate job. A lot of them had already had, you know, children or were more settled. And and we were, we just, we wanted to go abroad. We were happy for that experience. And I had been to, um, I had been to South America. I'd been to parts of Europe, Asia, and none of them really called to me the way Australia did. Mm-hmm. I think for Asia, there's a reputation of the work-life balance being almost even worse than it can be in the United States Mm -hmm. in terms of kind of the rat race and really long working hours and I just had a feeling and it did prove to be true that here in Australia it is a lot more laid back you definitely get a better work-life harmony you still work hard especially in professional services Mm -hmm. but there there really is that genuine care on the part of employers to to make sure you have life outside of work you're supported and and your, you know, your health and and mental health are a really important factor, I think a lot of that is because they don't have such a long line of applicants waiting to to take your place. You know, we're Mm. talking a population of 25 million in Australia versus 330 million in the US. So that's a very different uh, employee pool.
0: Right. Yeah, I would never have thought of that, but that actually makes a lot of sense. And how have you taken advantage of this different work-life balance? Have you been golfing a lot? Um, yeah, what is it like? No, that's
1: that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I actually was very burned out of golf at the end of mm-hmm. at the end of my time at Notre Dame after graduating. I'd really, you know, golf had been my job for years and years from junior golf and trying to get recruited. And then you get to Notre Dame and then, then you play really hard for four years, traveling both seasons to five or six tournaments each semester, practicing, you know, etc. It's just, a, it was a very long time and I, I kind of lost the joy of it, but I had always wanted to take up surfing. That was kind of my, my dream thing to do. Mm-hmm. So once I graduated and I was at at Ernst & Young, I, my, one of my first vacations was to take a surf trip and go learn how to surf. So I had a lot of athleticism from, you know, people don't think golfers are athletes, but we are. So <laughs> and between, between that and yoga and other interests, I picked up surfing quite quickly and I worked really hard at it and I just loved it. And I still do. I surfed this weekend here in Australia. So actually that was another big draw to Australia was... Mm-hmm. You know, you have to. You're you're by the ocean. You're gonna probably end up getting more opportunities to surf and some really good waves here. So, my travel after graduating and when I started working was really surf based. I wanted to go and surf all over the world. So that took me to Costa Rica, El Salvador, Panama, Sri Lanka, just you know south of India. If you're kind of looking at a map, it's the little teardrop island, Bali, Indonesia, Rincón on the western side of Puerto Rico. Hawaii, California. So really got around with, with my surfboard and from a, from kind of a personal growth lens with surfing. And as much as I love surfing, when I leave, when I leave the beach, I always go home remembering right. the couple of really great waves that I had that session when I was on the golf team, or when I was playing competitively from a golf perspective, I feel like I only remembered the bad shots I hit mm-hmm. or the putts that I missed. So really having that that different perspective and, and outlook. And I think if I was to go back and tell my younger self, I would have probably practiced a lot more gratitude, self-compassion kind of self-care, and of self care and not listen so much to the negative critic voice that we have in our heads. So definitely mm-hmm. more mindfulness, more meditation earlier on to, to really have that, that perspective. That's really been everything.
0: Yeah. That's interesting to see how the athlete mindset has transformed with you as you've mm. grown. And I feel like it's, the obsession over perfection and perfectionism is Mm. so strong um, with competitive athletes. And then it also makes you perform worse. So it's an interesting Mm. balance and then getting able to just appreciate surfing more, but you still worked super hard. And you can tell that you have that ingrained in you. Oh,
1: absolutely. And I just, I love surfing because you get, you get great, um, you know, a great fitness result out of it. You're also immediately connected and immersed in nature and the ocean and, And the energy in the water and the waves, uh, a coach of mine described it as dancing on energy. And I think it can't be put any better than that, really. So and and definitely surfing is much more of kind of a it has that kind of chill vibe. anyway. (laughs) So it's been really nice to embody that.
0: Yeah, that's an awesome quote, dancing on energy. That's super cool. And I feel like those season seasonal sports, I guess I consider like surfing versus like skiing, snowboarding, all those ones that not everyone has access to. They're kind of mm-hmm. just awesome. They everyone mm-hmm. I feel like glamorizes them. They seem super cool for those of us who don't have access to them, especially. So that's right, super and it's, awesome.
1: it, it took me a long time to get better access to surfing because living by the beach is a whole nother you know, difficult thing to manage if you didn't have that happen by accident, or um, whereas you could you play tennis or golf anywhere, for
0: example, Mm -hmm. but it's, yeah, it's been great. Awesome. So those were a lot of your experiences abroad before moving. And you mentioned how you got to this point in, in your career, but just wondering like, were there any connections or resources from Notre Dame that you leveraged to work abroad or was this more removed from your undergraduate experience and you kind of gained more, um, experiencing through working and learning how to work abroad through that yeah so it was definitely as a result of being
1: in the workforce as opposed to Notre Dame I didn't really Mm -hmm. give it as much thought then like I said the trip to Ireland was really my window into a wider world and just that thirst for seeing and experiencing other cultures the way other people live getting us out of that bubble uh and remembering that we are so fortunate for having our basic needs met and far beyond that. Whereas, you know, other cultures, for example, my partner and I, we went trekking in Nepal several years back and it was, you know, gorgeous. The mountain ranges are amazing and the nature, Mm -hmm. et cetera, but you're going through these tiny little towns where you're lucky if you have running water and electricity and the people there, they do seem quite happy. At least it was my experience. They, they live a simple life, but that doesn't make it any less, but it also puts into perspective. There's you know there's, there's a lot more than just um you know there's, there's there's a lot to experience there's a lot of richness in life out there that i think again perspective is everything mm-hmm. um but as far as the career center i do want to mention when i was at notre dame and then even since uh, ray van has been an absolutely wonderful resource we still keep in touch he was really supportive of me then with resume review mock interviews while i was still in my senior year and then in the time in between kind of then and now, he would connect me with Notre Dame alums in different cities or in different industries when I reached out considering a move or considering a jump in career. So he's he's always been super responsive, really supportive and just a, a wonderful, wonderful person. I'm so glad that he's still there at Notre Dame. And I hope hope listeners out there take advantage of the Career Center and, uh, and maybe go see if Ray can support or anyone else there, I'm sure is also wonderful.
0: Yeah. Take note, take note. I feel like it's one of those resources that until you need it, it's really needed. It's hard to take advantage of and stay on top of. So that's huge. Yeah. The the good positive review is always big.
1: Um, But networking, networking is really key. You know, um, it's really important to go and meet people and be really present and engaged when you're meeting with people and discussing, I think that really goes a long way to remember names or little bits about them. Mm-hmm. And, and you never know who you're going to meet. Um, You know, I, my partner was recently saying, you know, you're only one person away from the next great opportunity or meeting the next person that's going to take you to that, that great job or that great, you know, new, new thing that's going to just open up your world. So, you know, really um, not taking that for granted and uh, and also persistence when you're when you're trying to find a job or a next opportunity or or even in your first job out of out of uh, graduating from university at at Notre Dame um, being really persistent about checking in with your networking contacts double you know Mm -hmm. double checking following up with with emails or you know if you want to do a handwritten note
0: yeah thank you so much I think networking is also one of those things that seems so daunting, but in reality is just personal connections and maintaining those. Everyone, it's
1: just, it's just about, yeah, it's about people connection. We're all just people with our own experiences, hopes, dreams, fears, uh, you know, our own, our own, and everybody has such a unique, interesting story. If you get to, Mm -hmm. to know them, I find that and I'm probably stealing this from the minimalist podcast, but instead (laughs) of asking people, what do you do? You know, asking what are you passionate about that usually sparks a much more engaged conversation, or even if it's a kind of an icebreaker soundbite to know, well, what, what's something interesting about you, what really lights you up and and makes you excited for the day. Those can be really, really invaluable.
0: Oh yeah. Great insight into people right off the bat, which is always exciting Yep, and kind of connecting with that about connecting with people, how was your adjustment to living and working abroad? As you mentioned, you had Daniel with you. So was that really helpful? Do you think it would have been a significantly different process if you had been um, moving alone? Um, Yeah, just in general, how is that adjustment?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, we didn't know anyone here. We didn't we had never visited here. We really just had each other. And that was really mm-hmm. powerful. I remember when my parents dropped us off at the airport, my dad saying to us, take care of each other. And I mm-hmm. think that really rang true. And I think we still kind of, um, uh, we, we still gravitate around that sentiment. And we've been together nine and a half years now. and And we're just even going through covid let's you know i'll kind of add that and even even going through the really strict lockdowns here in melbourne through mm. covid in a tiny apartment at the top of a building right in the central city and we're still super close i think that really speaks volumes which i'm grateful for um but but really having having each other yeah having each other here was 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 really monumental i think there are people who do move abroad solo which is which is absolutely you know, great, and they've had good experiences, I was happy to have kind of a partner in, um, yeah, what, what's a good, what's a good way to say kind of partner in crime without saying partner in crime? Um, <laughs> partner in know? legal activities. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, it was great that we had each other coming here. The biggest noticeable adjustment was driving on the left side of the road.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's, that's an interesting one to switch your brain around. I think it's really good, really good for your brain to have to to have to make that adjustment, you'll definitely mix up your windshield wipers and turn signals. It's definitely going <laughs> to happen because the wheel and all the the wheels on the opposite side and those um, clickers are on the opposite side as well. So, uh, so that's that's fun and interesting. But I think we picked it up <laughs> picked it up pretty quickly. I actually just went back to the states recently and had to switch back after four years, and it took me about a day and a half, and then <laughs> came back. So kind of just tick tocking, you know, in your brain. So that's definitely the biggest one. Um definitely some of the slang is is different. Uh gasoline is petrol over here. Mm. Ketchup is tomato sauce and <laughs> um they say aluminum and banana instead of, you know, banana those kind of little things. Um the Asian food is absolutely delicious here because we're we're a lot closer to Asia so you get you mm. get really really good Asian food. Uh, But the Aussies are really lovely. I've met so many wonderful people here. And I think it's it's the energy you bring as well. If you're if you Mm -hmm. come with an open, um, you know, smiling, positive energy, you're going to meet like like minded people. And I really feel like that's happened. We've met so many great people here. Uh, I'm even in a small band here in Melbourne. And I put myself on band mix, which is kind of the musicians LinkedIn equivalent, Mm -hmm. and a kind of um, I was, I was reached out to by three guys that play bass guitar and drums at expert level. And we kind of did a little audition and now I'm, we practice every week and jam and write music and they, you know, they make my stuff sound really good. And uh, <laughs> it's, and that has, you know, I've, I've kind of, I'm kind of like the adopted niece to one of them and I babysit their cats, their ragdolls. Oh. So kitty sitting when they're out of town. So it's really amazing. Again, just the people you meet and the relationships that if I look back and think, wow, if I had been told, well, oh, you'll meet these incredible people and and have uh, a family that you've created over here,
0: mm-hmm. it would
1: have been really eye opening.
0: That's so great! You're making music, surfing sounds like a dream. <laughs> um, it's been very
1: good. I've worked very hard while I'm while I'm here. I'll I'll put that little right. plug in for myself. Um, but I was very lucky that working with Del- or working at Deloitte here in Australia. Um, like I mentioned, they sponsor me as well as Daniel on a, on these, it was a skilled worker visa that I came over on, but mm-hmm. at the three year mark of service, they'll sponsor for permanent residency, which they did. So we got permanent residency back in June, which is really incredible. So we're Congrats. not too far from being able to submit paperwork for citizenship, which is, which is really, really exciting to have that, yes. that dual citizenship option to, you know, to be in the States or to live down under, uh, Just really, really magical. I'm very, very grateful.
0: That's very exciting. And yeah, I think it's a testament to how much you've worked for this and you know, that you worked up the ladder, I suppose, before this opportunity even arose. So
1: it's. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was at Ernst and Young for about eight years. And like you said, kind of worked my way through and got to that manager level, um, you know, learned a lot of good skills around the kind of financial consulting. I'm in, I'm in kind of the financial crime, anti-money laundering space, which is, which is quite interesting um, mm-hmm. in that kind of, in that field. And they definitely had the need for it here because Australia is a little bit behind where the U S and the UK are in terms of legislation. And um, uh, I guess you could say carrying out anti-money laundering requirements mm-hmm. and, and being really um Losing the lost the word there. Sorry. Um, they're you know it, they're they're really kind of they're working on upskilling in mm-hmm. in that in this. Um, so they had a need for for my they had a need for my capabilities, and again I've come over and worked really hard and built a good a strong foundation for myself, both you know personal life and also professional here, and and that's been yeah that's just yeah would wouldn't wouldn't trade it for anything.
0: Nice. Awesome. Yeah. This is just a very cool story to get to hear. And I'm glad wow, that you. you're on the podcast too, because it's different than a lot of the stories we showcase. But I think there's a lot of athletes who like want to go abroad and aren't able to. Mm. Like you are not minus, you know, that trip. And so I think it's mm-hmm. exciting. Or even to people who are abroad and are like, okay, I want to do this. How do I do this? Mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. like live there. And so it's it's very, I think, important and valuable to hear this story and see how you did it.
1: Yep. No, it's, it's absolutely about, like I said, persistence and really believing. And if you believe in such a thing, manifesting and putting, putting out into the universe, almost your wish list of, I really want to make this happen. How am I going to, how am I going to do that in, in logical steps, whether it's like we said, networking, reaching out to people, Mm -hmm. you know, asking people who have done it and knowing that if you really want to make it happen, you'll definitely be able to.
0: That's yeah, it's, it's very exciting always to hear. Um, I I know uh, personally people who want to work abroad and it always seems kind of like an otherworldly thing. That, oh, other people, but not me. But it's cool to hear that it could be any of us as long as you, yep. you know, put the work in for it. Yep.
1: And, and it's also probably good to say I was very drawn to the idea of Australia because like most Americans, we have this idea that snakes and spiders are ready to attack you as soon as you get off the plane <laughs> and you ride around on kangaroos and, and all those kind of things. And I was like, sure, sign me up. That sounds really cool. And, you know, and of course, like I mentioned, the the surfing. And it's it's a really beautiful country. It's it's massive, like I said, kind of from a landmass perspective. It's basically the size of the United States, but the center is not really inhabited because of the heat and the mm. desert. Um and it's, but but there are so many amazing places to visit, even within an hour of Melbourne, Victoria. Here, there's so many great national parks, and regionally, it's just gorgeous. And the uh, the flora and fauna is unlike anything elsewhere in the world. With you know the, the marsupials and and the mm-hmm. you know the kangaroos and the wallabies are extremely cute. Highly would recommend <laughs> seeing those. And um, yeah, it's just really yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible place to be.
0: That's, that's so great. I'll never forget the first time I saw a kangaroo pouch. It was way different than I expected and kind of freaky looking.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes, very. I, I agree. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs>
0: um And yeah, as as I guess we're on the end of closing up, Um, are there any other experiences that you've had that you want to share with the Notre Dame students? Um, anything about Australia or work or the process of getting abroad?
1: I feel like Australia was a kind of a soft landing when it comes to moving out of, you know, from the U S into a Commonwealth country, it's, you know, uh, you know, English is the language. Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously have to have a good ear for accents or kind of learn to pick it up. Cause some, you know, some accents are a little thicker than others or certain sayings and things like someone, um, you know, an example of if somebody is kind of throwing a fit, uh, you know, like a, like a small child is having a tantrum, mm-hmm. it's, uh, they spit the dummy, which is just so strange. When you're American, mm-hmm. it's a very different saying. I'm sure there's other ones that that would, you know, that would be you know similar similar like that. Um, right. But but yeah, some some of those kind of uh, colloquial sayings are yes. are definitely good to pick up. But they're really fun because when I first when we first came over here um i was i started working at deloitte but daniel was still working for a u.s company remotely so i Mm -hmm. would come home from work and say hey i learned this new saying of or you know what what this actually means (laughs) and we'd kind of yeah, kind of compare or you know share share my notes with him so he could get immersed in the culture as well quickly i was fortunate my dad visited uh christmas of 2019 so right before COVID and the lockdowns we were Mm -hmm. very fortunate that we had a great trip when he came over and visited and we traveled more around Australia and a little bit of New Zealand because that's just across the ditch Mm -hmm. when he was here than we had in the you know the following two years obviously because of COVID but we we went diving on the Great Barrier Reef which was really cool and yeah yeah. that was it was amazing it was got to see it before it's you know before it gets completely bleached Mm -hmm. with the heating up temperatures but that was really cool Um, he absolutely wanted to go to Tasmania to see the Tasmanian devil which we did at a wildlife sanctuary. I thought they were really cute. Uh, some <laughs> people don't think so, but that was a great experience. Didn't look like Taz at all from from the books bunny cartoon, but you know, so it goes. And yeah, he was he was excited to see all the kangaroos and the the little the little marsupials and wombats. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, but, but that, yeah, that was a great trip. I'd Just say That's nice nice to show him. Yeah. Uh, Oh, one other fun thing is the, the money is obviously different. So Mm. the bills are plastic and they're in all different colors. So Americans might be like, look, you know, compare it to monopoly money in a way, which is kind of funny. (laughs) And I love the fact that the coins are different and, you know, you have $2 coins, $1 coins, similar Mm to like Canada, but it's great Mm -hmm. because when you find a $2 coin on the street, that'll buy you a couple of coffees at 7-Eleven. It's not like a penny that doesn't go anywhere. So to me, that's really, really exciting. I still get excited about finding money.
0: That's so funny. It's not just find a penny, pick it up all day long. You'll have good luck. It's find yeah. a $2 coin, pick it up. And buy a couple of coffees. coffees. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's... Um, when you say they're plastic, is it... Do Can you still like fold them into your wallet or are they smaller or... They're...
1: They're very flexible like okay. um like dollar bills would be, but they're just they're made out of they're water they're waterproof. So they're kind of it's, it's a very thin kind of plasticky um material. And yeah, but they can still fold and fold in your wallet, get you can kind of crinkle them up,
0: you know, but they won't tear or whatnot. I'm sure this is something that's probably very obvious if I were to see one, but I'm like, that would be difficult to make sure. Yeah. Picture. yeah. That's great, though. I Those little differences are fun. I like that about the Euro, too, being in Rome right now. And they're oh, different yes, sizes, too, different colors. Yep.
1: That's right. The 50 cent piece here is in the shape of an octagon. It has kind of edges oh. to it. Um, And actually, a, a friend of mine who's a kind of a here, he, Aussie through and through, he made a comment about, you're like a 50 cent piece, don't lose your edge. And I was like, huh? You know. And it was basically you know, the 50 cent piece actually has an edge. So that was the don't lose your edge, stay edgy.
0: That's awesome. That's great. And that's a good sign off line too. You can put that everywhere and make it your personal quote. I like great. Yeah. As we finish up, any advice you have for any students or um, any last comments that you wish to share about recommending other indie alum and students working, living, spending significant time abroad?
1: Um, I would just recommend seeing other parts of the world. It can be, like I said, a really humbling experience to get out and experience different cultures. It'll really broaden your horizons. And I think sometimes it makes you feel kind of small in this, in this massive world, but I think that can be a really good thing. Um, And I think it's, it's great. It's great to keep that perspective or um, it's, it's, you know, gaining, gaining perspective is really everything. Mm -hmm. And I'd always advocate for staying staying humble, staying really grateful, and just be kind to yourselves. Awesome.
0: All right. Thank you so much for yeah. joining us
1: today. Thanks, Ainsley. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Study Abroad. Check back in in two weeks for our next episode. And until then, stay updated on all things study abroad on Instagram at ND International.